You're listening to Ember Weekend. I'm Chase McCarthy. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we had a busy week. Yeah. Um, Ember Jacks. Yeah, Ember Jacks. Uh, so I'm really excited. Uh, the project you put together for uh, Ember Jacks this last week is um, a pretty great starting point for a lot of beginners. Uh, it goes all the way from, I want to say, Ember CLI Mirage stubbing things, uh, authentication, and even uses page objects. I want to talk about all these things kind of a little bit more in depth, but I think this is a really cool, really cool thing. Um, oh, and you used uh, Ember uh, Material Design Lite, which um, made made it actually look pretty good um, without without too much hassle. How much of a trouble was this to put together? And you know, what do you think of it? Uh, it was it was more trouble than I initially thought. I had actually planned on doing um, a few more features, uh, like a, you know, basically the app is a kind of a Twitter clone. Uh, I called it a Twitter killer, but. Uh, Twitter yeah, killer whip though. Yeah, Twitter killer whip. So basically, right now it just has a user's feed, um, which which we uh, called casts. And what I wanted was a few features. Uh, in the beginning, it was just list list all of them out, and there was no concept of a user. Um, and that was that was basically extending the work that you had done on the last few meetups um, with just like a. It basically works the same way as a blog. It's, right. it's actually very similar to a to do list at that point because you're just typing something in the top, hitting a button in it kind of pops down the list below. I was pointing out the places where, you know, I was kind of skipping over things that we had covered already. Um, uh, we, we were using Mirage last time, but we never really dived into like how it worked or what it was doing. We kind of just said, trust us, it's there. Pretend like there's an API. Which is kind of the best part about Mirage, actually, that you can yeah. even do that. Yeah, but this time we, uh, we dove a little more deep into it um, for uh, authorization. Um, that was the, the number one place where, you know, each request had to... Uh, check for the current user's token and look the look look the user up to throw the right errors or return the data for that user. So that that was a little um, you know a little more in depth there for for anybody who was looking for that. And there were there were people that said that was that was really helpful. Yeah, I think so. One of the cool things about that is you actually um, like Mirage has a facility to um, set headers and you're actually setting the bearer token yourself. Yeah. So normally on an application, I would just start off using um, Ember CLI Simple Auth. Um, that's basically gives you the most bang for the buck. You don't want to have to keep rolling your own authentication. Um, but in the but in the beginning, in the early, early, early stages, especially of a you know kind of a demo app, you don't want to pull in that complexity and like explain to people this big library. Uh, you just want to say, trust me, there's a session, um, there's a session service that will have a token or a current user or something, and we're just gonna we know it exists like this, so we're gonna just kind of stub it out for now right and that, that lets you get really far without having to really kind of dive into like the the intricacies of authentic your authentication layer that's almost always where you know at the onset of a project you spend a lot of time um, right you have this huge you have this huge code fist in the beginning that's like setting up all authentication and like and that that requires just so many things like redirects to certain pages and like yeah you know routes like authenticated routes and yeah it necessitates that you build a login form like right off the bat the first thing even though that may not be you know the, yeah it may not the, even yeah it's not relevant you just want to start building features and like right. especially if you're spiking something out um where you you just want to like in this case twitter you just want to kind of duplicate some of the behavior of twitter you know there will be a login at some point, but that's not the like the, the flashy part that you want to show people, right? Um, so stubbing it out is pretty interesting, um, and that basically just um, worked by using I just added a header to the application adapter, and so that just added headers to you know every every uh, Ember data request that went out, uh, and they just had the bearer token, and then Mirage was just looking for that bearer token, and it was like in development it was just set to secret on right. both sides, both sides were just right. looking for yeah. that. I I thought that was a really cool um, way to get 
pretty far. And then the other thing that um, I want to say was the biggest, um, th- I, honestly, I think this is like the, the most interesting technique that you used uh, for this project was uh, using uh, page objects. Um, so there's a, an add-on called Ember CLI page object that has a promise aware, um, like it's a promise aware DOM abstraction, basically. So you can put all of your your DOM in, in one place, all of the, the things that touch the DOM in one place. And that way, uh, and then you can kind of reuse it o- over multiple tests. So you want to like kind of walk us through kind of how you go about working with a page object? Uh, yeah, this is a this is another one of those libraries that that we learned about uh, during Wicked Good. Uh, Mike North mentioned this in his in his talk. Um, so the idea is that you don't want uh, to keep repeating in every test like all the selectors that you would need to like know how to say fill out a form or you know uh, what what elements are available on a page. Um, it lets you deal about deal with them in, a, in kind of an abstracted way. That's like um, I'm looking like in this case of casts, like I'm looking at these these cards that represent um, each message that went out, and those cards have specific things about them. Like they each have a handle, um, they each have a timestamp, and they have a content. And then and then on a, a level above that, there's a list of them, and that's surrounded with some you know unordered list or whatever. Um, and then with uh, some class on each card, and so. I wanted to abstract that out because I have multiple acceptance tests that are going to be looking at these and saying like, I see five cards. One card is from this user. Another card is from this user. Yeah. Um, and and know. each assert ends up being like this dot buck open close parentheses dot find, you know, your, the name of your selector dot text or dot, you know, yeah, adder. You've got, well, and you've got to trim things and like, mm-hmm. uh, yep. you know, there's, there's it, it becomes really messy. And so I really like this page object concept. Um, where you you define a, in a single place, you define what that page looks like and what what selectors give you each of these pieces, um, and you end up with this this kind of API that's like uh, um, you you basically just say visit. Um, it's like I think you get page is what you get from it. Uh, so you import the page and you say page dot visit, and you don't know in the test what page that's visiting. You you just know that you've imported say in our case it was the cast cast list or something like that. Um, and you just say page.visit. So you don't know, but that's on slash cast. And then you would say new cast. Um, and that's basically um, namespacing you down to the section uh, where um, I've defined previously is where where the new cast form renders on the page. Um, and you don't have to know about that in every single test. And then you say uh, you can dot onto that all the properties. So we have dot content and we just put in some some text. And that means enter enter into the new cast form, this content. And then we have dot submit. And that just submits it. And then we assert things like there's now one one new message, one cast on the on the page. It has the content of the text we entered, and it's from the user who's currently logged in. Yeah, I thought this was really cool. So you're able to kind of at a very high level specify like how this like list works, kind of like using semantics that or what a user might say, like, oh, there's a new item here, rather than say there is a new UL dot section dot L or space li, you know, text whatever you can talk um more concretely on this you know this abstraction layer uh it's a huge win it's a really big win and the fact that they're all promise aware gives you this really amazing like sleek api where you say you know visit page create new new cast dot submit you know and then do your assertions off the same page object so definitely i definitely think there's a huge win here favorite part about uh, your presentation though uh was uh so there's a little bit of backstory here. The night of the, the meetup, you spent an hour debugging an issue um, where you would add a new cast and the Ember data was being updated and you could see it in the inspector. Um, but for some reason, it was not showing up. Like, 
what was the what was the deal there, Chase? So, so I know you're, I know you're getting over this. Uh, <laughs> so so originally uh, I was getting an error, uh, and I was seeing that pop up in the console, and I was like, why am I getting this error? Um, and I ended up like using Raj to stub out like thirty records, um, but I was getting an error and adding one. And at some point, I was I got so frustrated. I ended up fixing the error and the error goes away, but I'm not seeing the, the, the thing I'm creating. Uh, and it was because I, what it wasn't, uh, sorted the right way. So it was basically pushing onto the, to the store, which means it was on the bottom of the list. And because it was just lorem text and I'm just typing in garbage, the few times I scrolled, I didn't see it. And like, I had no, there's no timestamps or anything. So I'm like, where's this thing on the list? And it's at the bottom. So, so I asked you to come over to look at it. You're looking at it with me. We both don't see anything. And then finally I go, wait a minute. And I take it down to one and I add it. And I'm like, there it is. Bottom <laughs> of the list. Yeah. It was so good. I just, I just like immediately walk away. I'm like, all right, Chase, way to go. Um, <laughs> and th- this brings up one of the cooler parts of the, of the, of the talk. Um, you, you wrestled with a little bit of a sorting thing and you did an array proxy with, uh, uh, I want to say, how, how are you sorting? You, you actually, yeah, with the sortable mix in, um, which is really cool. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, those are both private, and one of them is going away. Yeah. There's actually an Ember computed sort that we ended up using, which was a cleaner solution and didn't involve using any private APIs. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was a, that was a fun little detour and, and the night of Emberjacks. That was a lot of fun. One of the other things that kind of fell out of, uh, of some of our work recently with, uh, with Emberjacks was component integration tests and, and utilizing those to kind of create these... Um, are better better tests for components and um this this kind of dovetails into something we talked about several weeks ago as specifically with regard to like testing uh components that accept uh, blocks uh and previously you had to do some some work you had to uh you had to stub out um i want to say template and return a function that is a no-op function, I want to say, in order to kind of like fake the the block argument in a uh, in a component test, a component unit test. And one of the cool things about component integration tests is that you get to specify the actual template. Um, so I, I'm, I'm really excited about this. this. That's not the only win, but that's one win that, that would have helped us in the past um, and now is available. Chase, do you have, do you have, I know, I know you, this is something you're, you're excited about. Any particular features or, or things about this that kind of speak to you? Yeah. The, um, there's, there's a, there's a thing they have now called, what was it like? Ember CLI HTML bars inline precompile, right? Um, and that blew my mind when I first saw it. I was I was like, I don't know what this is. is this even valid syntax because it's basically just a function name, no spaces, and then like uh, I think which I think there maybe can be spaces between them, but but there was no sp- in the generated template. There's no space, right. and then backticks, and then some string, the template string. And I was like, what is that? And uh, my because my because I've worked with CoffeeScript, I was like, is this somehow calling the function? And kind of it is, but yeah, uh, kind what, of. what it ended up being is it's um, it's tagged template strings. Yeah, um, which which if you go to the template string thing on the Mozilla docs for ES6 template strings, it's like down the page about halfway, and it shows a couple of examples of using tagged template strings. Yeah, but I don't I don't really think that doc explains much about it. Like uh, I actually read that exact thing before um, somebody else uh, uh, somebody else in Hashrock at uh, Chris Aaron mentioned this to me like a month ago, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know what this does. And yeah. he's like, Yeah, Why would you when, use when, that? when would you ever use yeah. this? And I was like, I don't know. And then I see it in use, and I'm like, Oh my god, yeah, I, like of course I would use that. Um, 
I'm not sure how that feature works, uh, whether this is a Babel thing though, because basically what's happening is they have this pre-compile function that gets this template string. Um, and then that just, you know, renders some function and then puts it right in line. So you're basically changes the value of, of your source code. It just, um, so that inlines the function is right in place. Um, and, uh, I'm not really sure if that's like some, if that's actually going to be the way you can use it in JavaScript, because to me, that seems a little unsafe. Um, which they do mention security in the Mozilla docs about how you shouldn't let users somehow generate a template string, um, that gets, uh, or a tagged template string. Um, and so I, I think there's probably a lot of security issues around this, but, uh, it's very powerful. Uh, yeah, it does some cool things like, uh, w with regard to this, I know if you inspect it before and then inspect it in the browser, you end up with the full compiled template inside of, um, inside of the HBS, um, call so it looks it looks pretty cool and it does the trick it allows you to specify at a at a higher level um the thing you actually care about right because what this actually keeps uh keeps you from having to do is you, now you don't have to uh pull in html bars into the test and now the, now the browser doesn't have to have template compiler in order to run because it has the pre-compiled template so your test should be faster i guess um, it's definitely cool, and, and I like I like uh, not having to specify each individual at attribute of my um, of my component as a different like basically setter. Like I'm setting each attribute. Instead, you can invoke it like you want to invoke it. Um, there's a lot of wins here. the The integration aspect of it is also nice. Um, I, I think there are some limitations though. You found out right before this call that you're not able to to generate links properly. It still does blank links. Right, which is better than what it was with component unit tests where you couldn't even use link to. Um, you had to stub out the router um, to get that to work, and now, now at least it doesn't blow up. Yeah, yeah, which is, which is a step in the right direction. I, I think that maybe it's like, like asserting on the route that gets generated is more of a, a true like acceptance test rather than an integration test because you are actually testing the router there. Um, yeah, so what, I, what I would like, I guess, is like a way to say, um, given this router, when I generate this thing, I, I see this output as the link, maybe. Well, you can always stub the router. That sounds yeah. like not very fun, it, it, though. <laughs> it, actually, it actually wasn't that hard, um, and it could be moved into a, into a helper or even an add-on that lets you stub the router, and it gives you a nice interface to say. Because, yeah. um, I don't know, it, it's hard to know on, on the component, like, how many links you have, and, like, I mean, if, especially if it's being rendered like, well, I mean, I guess you would know. If you had four, four things being rendered, like in the case of these cards uh, for, for cast, if you had four of the cards in each of the handles, was like a link to that user. You'd want to assert that you see that that user's name was a link to that user, and you could say, given this user with ID of whatever or handle or whatever, and you know it goes to slash u slash I can, handle. I can see that argument. I can also see testing that at a route level and testing that at a an, at an acceptance level because yeah, that, that hits more than just the component. Um, it's not entirely yeah, isolated, you, but you could you could test it at the com at the at an integration level. You couldn't test it in the router though, because it wouldn't even if it worked in the router, it wouldn't mean that you hooked it up properly in your component. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. That's definitely um, true. Um, but I don't know. I like I would like to be able to test this on a card level, like to treat the cards as their own self-contained thing. Um, but I think yeah, I think you could just stub the the router just like before and right. and, and give it that. I mean, I I could have done that before. So when when I stubbed the router, I was just saying every link that you generate is just an anchor. It's just a pound sign. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's a that's a totally viable solution. Yeah, absolutely. So there's also been a lot of movement on this really cool app called Ember Twiddle, um, and this is basically like JSBin geared directly towards 
Ember CLI projects. So you you get uh, multiple files that all match how your Ember CLI app would work, um, and you can you know create routers, uh, templates, all that kind of stuff, um, and have this little example project that you can just send somebody a link. Um, it's versioned. Uh, it's it's awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. So um, I saw this in the core notes. Uh, so the the core team is actually taking this pretty seriously. It wasn't immediately apparent uh, why it's getting so much um, traction and why it's becoming important and, and getting on the radar of the core team. And uh, it, it has to do primarily with the difficulty, I think, of the JS bins inside of the documentation of Ember to be updated and maintained. Um, so one of the really awesome features of Ember Twiddle is that you can serialize your Ember Twiddle gist, for lack of a better word, to a GitHub gist. And then you can read from that GitHub gist to uh, to re rehydrate the Ember Twiddle app. The reason this is so powerful is because now inside of the guides, they can reference Ember Twiddle. And if you need to make an update, rather than having to do a very ornate process of trying to get those JS bins updated, which is a super hassle, you can do a pull request onto the gist itself. Um, so that's really, really powerful. Um, so I think I, I see the, the immediate advantages there and also for the purposes of reporting issues. So right now, I know, Chase, you, you do this all the time. Whenever you report an issue, you kind of try to recreate it in a JS bin first. Yeah. And that's really, that's really great. Um, JS bins are awesome, uh, but you have to use the Ember global syntax, which is decreasingly a thing that people know about, like at all. Um, it's not documented really anymore. Uh, you can find older doc documentation. But I find myself when I go to a JS bin, I'm like, oh man, how do I, what, what is the word? Like, what do I suffix to this to make it the right object? Or, you know, what do I, what do I do here? How do, how does the, how does the, the global resolver look up the thing that I want to create? Because I know how to do it in Ember CLI, but uh, how does the global resolver, resolver do it? So this is a way that people can report issues that are going to be written in a way that is like the way that the documentation outlines. So there's that, uh, and I think I think that's another really powerful aspect. So I'm really excited about this project. Uh, I, I definitely want people to go out there and look at it, find find issues, and try to help uh, help this project kind of make it and get some get some more eyes on it. Um, this project is still relatively new, and there's uh, there's a lot of features that are that are in you know kind of in the plan. Uh, there's a roadmap uh, issue out there, um, and one of the things that the author mentions is um, the ability to support add-ons. So this would actually be a really nice feature. I we we've talked about this, and it seems like this is this is a big um, <laughs> this is a lot of work. Yeah. Well, you know, JS bins don't allow that now. Um, so there's no real um, corollary right. at the moment. There's no there's no like like similar project. But just thinking off the top of my head, like there is no actual Ember CLI running in Ember Twiddle. It's 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 kind of faking the funk. It's it's making it act the way it's supposed to, and then you know giving it this cool uh, API. Uh, so dealing with dependency graphs and stuff like that, um, I think it's going to be a really tough nut to crack. Um, well, I mean, Seven Pinner is working on it. I mean, they, they've pulled it under Ember CLI's organization. So, um, you know, Steph's working on it. I'm sure that what uh, they'll probably end up doing is kind of having a web, um, like, mock version of Ember CLI because I doubt that they would try to somehow run Ember CLI on some kind of service um, to get each individual bin to work. So probably in order to get, if they wanted add-on support, if that was really a big deal, you would have to basically fake all the hooks and you'd have to like give it a link to the, to the add-on and it would have to look through the source. And uh, yeah. there's some pre-processing that has to happen. That can't all happen in the browser. I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine. 
Um, no, not without doing ex like a, a ton of like requests to to GitHub's API in order to to basically figure out like, oh, what does my add-on depend on, and then what does its add-on depend on, and so on. And that yeah, I mean, but there are some libraries that I just don't see like how they could be supported at all. Um, like pre preprocessors would be hard. Like if you had like a Hamel or Emblem preprocessor or something. Yeah, you'd have to basically write an entire add-on that was just a coffee script, for instance, a coffee script twiddle add-on. Um, and it would it would have to pull in all of the files necessary to do CoffeeScript transpilation inside the browser and then feed that to Twiddle somehow. Yeah, and Twiddle would have to have some way of denoting which file type you had, you know, for like, oh, this this JavaScript file is going to be CoffeeScript now. Like, it's, it's so it would be really difficult. Now, it's going to be a tough note to crack. It's going to be cool. I, I, I'm really excited to see, like, as more eyes get focused on it. Um, but... Yeah, this is definitely one of those really hard problems. Um, but but it would be so useful. It'd be so nice. I don't care how it's done. I just think it'd be so amazing to go in there and be like, oh yeah, I use this add-on all the time. And I use this add-on, and then at the end of it, what I really want is after I do that, I want to be to say export project, and then yeah, just have it a just, project. It just <laughs> does the project, and then yeah, yeah, it just has, it has cool. an initial commit that's got it all set up with those add-ons and yeah, all that, that stuff, be... and some initial work I've done maybe, but like, <laughs> that would... yeah, I, I'm a, I'm yeah, I'm. A... <laughs> I'm not so sure. Ember Ember Twiddle, definitely look at it. Um, the the ability to serialize to gist and read from gist is gonna make um is gonna make life a lot easier for a lot of people. Um, and I spe specifically with regard to to documentation. Um, and contributing. Um, and uh, I'm really excited about this. I definitely want people to look at it. Yeah, it's very awesome. The last thing that I want to mention is uh, the core notes. Um, repository. The meeting minutes for the core team's uh, calls and face-to-faces um, are are being recorded to this repo, so you can go in and kind of see what they're what they're looking at. We mentioned it earlier that one of the I think it was the July seventeenth meeting might might be the other one uh, mentioned Ember Twiddle, and that's what got us looking at it more more seriously is because we see that the core team's looking at it. Uh, so it's kind of this like place for us to look and just see what what's important right now and what are the next things that you know, you should be looking at um, to prepare for and to help out with if you can. And Core Notes is a really cool thing. So not only is the core the core team doing this, but the docs team is also doing this. So they're putting information about what docs are being worked on and being updated. And uh, it's really, really cool. Definitely something you should check out. Maybe put a little favorite on there and check in on it every every couple weeks. Definitely worth your time. Yeah, it's a it's a good way to, to know how like uh, to know some of the insider baseball stuff. And um, it's it's also nice because it's you know it's part of like their their you know, kind of promised us that they're, they're transparent, like super, you know, this is a community project. They want, you know, they don't want a bunch of closed door meetings on the development of Ember. And so it's, it's really cool. And that's all for this Ember weekend. I'm Jason McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll talk to you next week.